0: Mr. President, I would do want to get right to the news of this week. Sure. The terrorism in Boston. Yeah. Many people have wondered if it took you right back to 9-11 when you heard it.
1: Well, at first, uh, you know, I was deeply concerned uh, that um, there might have been a organized plot. Uh, I don't know all the facts. I don't think we all know all the facts, but I was deeply concerned that uh, this could have been... Um, uh, you know, another cons- uh, organized, highly organized attack on the country. I said, you know, we've had such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to
2: do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull, and then we
0: watched the building collapse.
3: Cool America. How do you bring a building down symmetrically, much less in seven seconds? You have to cut all 80 columns in this building. Otherwise, the building would, would begin to fall and bend and, and fall over towards the path of least resistance.
4: Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting with uh, the one and only Richard Gage a little bit later. From um, Architects and engineers for 911 truth. That's right yeah so that's a uh, big get of course the timing's great for 911. We have a great chat with Richard kind um, of get down to the nitty gritty some building seven stuff you guys should enjoy that quite a bit and a little later on in the intro we're going to jump into we've got one of our uh, one of our great bloggers over at the site is also a 911 survivor some of you probably already know that. Uh, who follow Evan's work, but he's going to join us and tell us about his recount his um, experience, his, his experience of escaping the towers um, from the 89th floor. Yeah, he was only like ten floors below the impact floor. Four, four floors below. Well, four ninety three yeah. and eighty yeah. yeah. three. Oh, 89. Yeah, yeah. F- four floors. Yeah. Mm. Jeez, math. Yeah, massive bitch. Massive bitch. Sometimes. So yeah, check. Uh, that's great. You guys are gonna enjoy that, and of course, we got one and only uh, Graham Smartass Dunlop over here. <laughs> How's it going, man?
1: Hey, it's good, really good. Yeah. Remind me later on really in the intro. Good, I'll talk really to you good. about. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm excited about this big episode because we you've been going down the 9/11 rabbit hole a little bit more lately. You've been into it, and we've all, we've talked about sort of doing one. Like we were gonna do a whole a month, month it, with yeah. a bunch of them, but I mean, we'll get into some of the more deeper conspiracies in another episode. But this one's pretty. Kind of fundamental. We got, you know, Evan, Evan who survived blocks. it and Richard Gage who talks about the the evidence for controlled demolition and all that. It. It's pretty, yeah. pretty scientific and bare bones, kind of.
4: This that's right. Like, yeah. And of course, if you don't know, that's Richard Gage is the head of or the founder of Architects and Engineers for 9 11 Truth, which I think is almost at 3,000 signatures now. Uh, yes, yeah, 3,000 signatures, members, whatever you want to call them. I think you're supposed to call them signatures. Oh, are you? And, of course, guys, uh, we'll jump into this right away. Check out GreenMaker.ca slash support. Uh, there's a bunch of bunch of different ways you can support the show there. Of course, uh, without supporters like that, we wouldn't be able to do these sorts of shows. Um, yeah, it it's just huge. It helps same, us. We, yeah? can't,
1: we can't do it without you.
4: So, yeah, check out GreenMaker.ca slash support, guys. Uh, there's a bunch of different monthlies there. If you can sign up for one of those, of course, that's the best. Uh, everything from a buck a month, which is about $0.25 cents a show, all the way up to 33 bucks a month. Uh, which is, I don't know, like, what, six, seven bucks a show. Keep it Uh, ad-free. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in in between, and we can keep it ad-free forever and ever. Um, So check that out, guys, if you can, when you can. Of course, that's going to be access to our Black Budget support feed, which is just a little thing we started just uh, last month just to sort of help, uh, well, not only reward the people that have been supporting the show and allowed the show to continue for as long as it has, but also to sort of maybe stimulate some other people to... Hop on board the gravy train.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and we, and we had extra content. We want to put out some extra content, so we figured that'd be a good way to do it. And it doesn't change the regular Gram America it's still got like four to five shows a month in the regular feed, but we do have a bunch of episodes in the black budget feed right now. Uh, probably what nine or ten in there now.
4: Uh, nine, I think.
1: Yeah. And so, are you going to play a little preview? So we we the latest one in there was uh, Red Pill Junkie and Alex Sakaris from Skeptical.
4: Yeah, so I've huge, got
1: to. Huge supporters of ours. Like Big thanks to Alex and Red for everything they've,
4: yeah, absolutely. they've helped with the show. This is uh, from, of course, our buddy Failed, friend of the show. Uh, very prolific in the chats. Check out GrammarCo.ca slash chats, guys, if you haven't already, to get, get in on the conversation on the Discord app. Uh, those guys are great. Find love in the like, GrammarCo chats. Actually, Perpetual there's only chat. like two or three girls in there, so probably not going to have much luck in love, but you'll find a bunch of cool guys. Grimstake beat the odds. Yeah, Grimstake beat the odds big time. It's like an eighty nine percent fucking male ratio. At least that's what YouTube tells me. YouTube's the only one that gives you that sort of a breakdown. Um, so anyway, Phil was lucky enough to make th- he made this from actually our first two real recordings, so some of it is from the trip report episode and some of it is from the uh the, From
1: the uh, Alex and Red episode. Okay, Red so episode, we had a yeah. we had an episode recently. It's been put on the Black Budget feed with Alex and Red.
4: Both the August shows. One was at the very first day, and one was on the very last day.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is uh, that was a pretty yeah. good, pretty good discussion, pretty good heated discussion. We get into some really good uh, banter back and forth, and yeah. some good conversation, and, and little
4: somebody ice of that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> come on. Sorry, I lost it. All yeah. right. All right, just play the thing. Then they can they can.
4: He sort of plays it off like switching through the dials on the radio station. Oh, that's what this was. Yeah.
1: It gets pretty heavy, this one. so oh boy. So stay with us. I've been mulling this over for several days, and I think I should just put it out there and stop trying to find the right words. As I'm sure you guys know from personal experience, trying to explain a trip or a synchro is much like explaining a dream. It often falls flat and fails to convey the feeling. But what the hell? Here goes, forgive me if I ramble. Okay, the year was 1997. It was springtime, about a month before my 18th birthday, just to set the scene. I was a long-haired white kid that listened to classic rock and things like Primus Clutch and Alice in Chains. My best friend was a six-foot tall.
4: I grab my shoes, and I don't even fucking, like, stop to put them on. I just, like, look behind me, and I'm, like, out the door in my fucking socks. And I'm fucking down the road, man. I ran fucking probably, like, three blocks before I stopped to even put my shoes on. I don't even know... And I'm like, I realize, I don't even know where the fuck I am. Like, what part of the city? It's like, it's going to take, this is before smartphones and shit. So I'm like, I've got a flip phone in my pocket. That's it. And I'm trying to figure out. Actually, you know what? At that time, I don't even think I had a cell phone or my cell phone was lost.
1: To just show me the right path. And I would do all it took to accomplish it. I believe strongly that entheogens are sacred ways to connect with the other or spirit and the removal of these sacred world's major religions. We got to the town, met our friend, and drove over to the entrance to the stony beach and was kind of a down in a boat. I
4: just don't feel like you have to hold back on anything. Well, there's, only like, up, there's only like 17 people listening. We might en- no, no. no, no. <laughs> we
1: might end up getting a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit polarizing. We were sort of emailing back and forth some questions and some stuff to talk about, and you know, with this current climate of how do I say social engineering and free speech attack and all the violence going on, it's pretty crazy. And we we're talking about how do you how do you uh, live, you know, how do you live in this world? How do we how do we be spe- skeptical and critical? follow evidence in this super-polarizing political and cultural
4: climate. Vacations, they have, you know, women have, uh, like, six months of leave you know when, they, when, when, when they're pregnant. Yeah, I feel like socialism, you know, that, I guess. I mean, they're also like the highest just, tax yeah, countries in the right world. Can, yeah, it's the right kind of socialism. Is because the whole these guys went to what through.
3: we set out to kind of correct. This is the whole thing. How are we now talking about socialism? How did we even get to talking about Trump? How did Trump even come into the conversation? And then how did global warming and climate change come into the conversation? <laughs>
1: Talk about belief systems and so what if what if there was this evidence like this movie? So uh, mm. uh spoiler warning. If you know we're gonna talk about it probably the, the, what's it called again? The discovery? So yeah, I mean what, you know so what happens if, if that it's spoiler if alert, that Ron. if They're that on. comes up what? you're
4: so lame sometimes. What? Spoiler alert Sorry, buddy.
1: Spoiler warning. <laughs> so what same thing. Same thing.
4: No, no you ruined it.
1: <laughs> so uh yeah, Thanks, what if that Dale. came out? And you know, okay.
4: Information overload, you know, a real problem of of of, uh, of our time. You know, when you, you you really can't process any more information. You are, you know, the checking out that data coming out of Facebook, Twitter, you know, social media, and if you're hitting also the news feeds. Today to get your access to the black support bingo bango thanks phil yeah thanks for putting perfect. that together so of course that's a little compilation of the first two apps of course there's like seven other episodes in there we had kicking around uh that you can check out as well and you can get access through the web page now too i made a web page friendly version for the people that don't have pod players um, so if you email me, if you don't know how to use the RSS feed, I can, you can go through the webpage and play everything and download everything that way. Oh, did
1: we mention that it's like any donation gets you access to it? Like anything. one time, anything, yeah. any, try not any one
4: time, $1 donation. Yeah, that's,
1: can you do $1? It's gotta be a minimum. Isn't it? I think the
4: minimum is a dollar. Really? Yeah. Trying to do, we got a $5. I still gave it to him. Yeah. So check it out. Honestly, guys. And, uh, if you can, uh, it helps out big time, helps us, uh, kind of keep growing and pay off debt and pay the bills and keep the heat on. Winter's coming hard and quick. So, uh, what else you got?
1: Well, I got some feedback from last, uh, was it last uh, week's episode? Todd, Todd Akamesis and the synchronicity walk. So this is from Rob. He, uh, emailed in. We love getting emails from the listeners to, um, feedback, stories, synchronicities, sightings, all that good stuff. So he says, I've just finished the episode, and this so this is Todd Akamesis' Mind Spa episode, and it was another great one. I really relate to Todd's perspective and thoroughly enjoyed the progression of the conversation. I've been having some experiences recently with lucid dreaming and astral projection during a phase of intention, no, intensive attention towards being mindful for these to occur, as I think it's something akin to the way will works and is directed as a kind of energy through the navel rather than something that can be controlled in normal waking consciousness. This is also a similar way, I think, to prayer and mantras and so on, how they work. Because it conditions the conscious to be present to the non-physical dimensions in a way that still feels very abstract to me. I was also experimenting with different meditation techniques, buying a crystal singing bowl, the HeartMath M-Wave device... And that was after listening to our episode of Heart Math. That's from a few years back. With Howard? Howard, yeah. And on top of this, I was consuming many hours of podcasts and interviews on these subjects whilst working sometimes up to 10 or more hours a day. Yeah. Whilst? Whilst? Yeah, that's a, 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 a UK thing. I think this all has enabled the conditions for lucid dreaming and astral projection. Now, on the other hand, I feel distant. More involved with my day to day life and work, and have not been having such experiences. When I have a few more minutes, I may describe them if you like. But now I know they are available with the right kind of work and intention. Yeah, it's hard. I want to do. I want to put a more like really focused meditation practice into the work. out with the belt.
4: Sure, you can end it up a bit. <laughs>
1: Can we do it live on YouTube?
4: Yeah. I don't Just want to get charged.
1: Please head go purple.
4: <laughs> you have to sign a wafer.
1: <laughs> so Todd's Mind Spa in London is actually the other side of Old Street roundabout from where I work about two to three minutes walk away. I'll get in touch with Todd and let him know I listened to the episode and get booked in for the
4: experience. So well, I'll give you a 5.42 for that little synchro.
1: Looking forward to hearing from that experience, Rob. Let That's us know cool. how the Mind Spa goes. Yeah. Anybody else in the UK, too, that gets to London, man, make sure you drop by and say Grand America sent you.
4: Isn't everybody in the UK in London? <sighs> Jesus. Don't be daft. I like how you say daft like you're a UK <laughs> <laughs> or you fucking. <laughs> mm. You bloody cunt. That's not fair. Oh, where did it go?
1: I just had it here, too. Oh, no. So, this is the UFO quote of the week. Based on unreliable and unscientific surmises as data... What the? The Air Force develops elaborate statistical findings which seem impressive to the uninitiated public unschooled in the fallacies of the statistical method. One must conclude that the highly publicized Air Force pronouncements based upon unsound statistics serve merely to misrepresent the true character of the UFO phenomena pa, 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 pow. that's from Yale Scientific Magazine the Yale University volume XXXVII page 37 number 7
4: 1963 1963 that's the yeah. year Kennedy was shot Oof. That's because Marilyn Monroe is going to blow the whistle on UFOs. Was it 63? I could be mistaken, actually. I'm just talking. 67, about I think. It wasn't 67. No? Hey, Siri, what year was Kennedy shot? Hey, Siri, what year was Kennedy shot?
3: The answer is the 22nd of November,
1: 1963.
4: What day was that quote? November 22nd,
1: 1963.
4: Oh, that's the day JFK was shot.
1: Oh, oh April 1963. Oh. Yeah. Way off.
4: Yeah, nice try. Yeah, I was trying to do some on the fly.
1: Yeah, on the fly synchronicities.
4: <laughs> yeah, on the fly somethings. Uh, I think that's probably it, eh?
1: Yeah, it sounds. Oh, oh, I. So you know what I did? A I did a. Have you ever done a locked room, like the escape room type thing?
4: No, why don't you save that though?
1: Save it. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, just go just ahead. <laughs> go ahead. We'll call it. It was it.
4: Jingles are oh, playing.
1: Geez. Okay. Feels <laughs> really loud. Yeah, it's pretty loud. we're <laughs> gonna level that out later?
4: <laughs> I'm not. Good. I accidentally played both both jingles at the same time. Good job.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, we went hey, to the we're locked two-man room show here. I always thought this was gonna be a cheesy sort of you know sort of simple experience. You know what I mean? These yeah. locked room things. Have you ever heard about them? No. <laughs> Come on. No. Escape room. No. You know? no. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Okay, they're all over the city. Okay, and I was just avoiding. It and I didn't. I mean, I heard about it, and it was an Egyptian theme one. So there's all different themed ones, right? So Ebonics. this is an Egyptian uh, tomb like escape, and you got like three rooms that you have to escape from. There's a bunch of puzzles that you have to figure out. And, really? Yeah, it was really cool. That sounds it was cool. actually <laughs> really fun. So the team of us went. My buddy Ryan Marky Mark's been on the podcast before. Marky Mark and Rye, that my buddy and. Uh, who moved back ride. from Mexico and his friends like, uh, you know, R H
4: negative Mark. Yeah, yeah, probably. You mean, probably. I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> that part. Mark is always talking about RH negative. No, that's Mike. Mike. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. And, Mark. <laughs> and anyways, Mark.
1: Anyways, we, uh, and rise buddy is like a dungeon master. They play D and D and stuff. So I, I didn't know this at the time, but these guys are pretty smart and geeky in a good way so the guy's you know he's just sitting back with his head in his pockets and picking out things what about this what about that anyways we we rocked it we went through both rooms and then you have to go back to this other room and figure out the puzzle and we finished it off we're like what's going on are we done already 24 minutes we we, we is that a record yeah where is we it we shattered the record
4: send me the thing we shattered I'm gonna go by myself
1: he wouldn't even be able to get out <laughs> it's only 43% success rate in an hour Really? And we got out in 24 minutes. Ooh, we it blew We skipped the last okay. puzzle. Like we figured a out a team
4: the... of locals. We're going to go down, eat some edibles and do that. And shit. you just in minutes. In the first room. <laughs> you will not even get out. I'm going to beat your record. We got Anyways, to beat it was like a lot of fun.
1: I, yeah. I was pretty happy with Put it. Put the, the address it was cool. in the show
4: notes so people can go down and try and beat your record. Okay. I'm telling them to mention Grand yeah, America. That so was cool, cause it was cool because it was an Egyptian theme, right?
1: About all the Egyptian episodes we've done and all that, it was pretty cool. Nice. Maybe it's we deep. should do a Grand America one and one of the other ones. There's a bunch of them around the city. We we'll could pick do a pick walk area.
4: in an escape room.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> no? no it's not. You need to be really focused on the puzzles. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd try it out. That sounds fun. Hey, you're going to talk about the website URL for people.
4: I already did that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. Keep up, man. Didn't I? Yeah, sure I did. I think I did. Thanks for updating the website.
1: Anyways, that's good.
4: Hey, anytime, yeah. man. Anytime. All right, guys. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. We'll keep it short and sweet so that we leave some time for our chat with uh, Evan here. It's a good one. And then after that, we'll jump into our chat with Richard, which is another good one. So for prepare for your 911. Prepare for your 911. double whammy, motherfuckers.
1: All right, for this special 9-11 episode, we've also got one of our listeners on the line here with us on the podcast, Evan Forish. I think, is that how I pronounce your name, Evan? You're also a blogger. That's it? You got it. Yes, yep. and I wanted to say, because I have recognized his art from Instagram as well. He's really fascinating art. I think Nap, oh, Nap also Thanks. connected us together. Yep. And yeah, you're a survivor from 9-11, and uh, you offered to come on and talk about the... The event and your experience with it so we really really appreciate the uh you know willingness to do that and and the honesty oh, yeah. so thanks it's thanks to for, talk to you
2: guys yeah Plus, thanks a therapist once told me that the more i talk about it the better oh so. good good yeah talk therapy
1: talk therapy is proven maybe that's what's we're good health in grand america because we talk things out talk therapy is proven to be yeah. helpful so
4: it's helping gram. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so yeah, so I mean, oh. I mean that must have been a scary experience. I mean, do you want to just? I guess we should start by just maybe walking us through the the whole thing, and if you can, sure. Oh yeah, uh, well it was. Uh, yeah, it was scary.
2: Uh, it was uh, uh, I have to say for sure? I, I I didn't know it at the time, but I was definitely in shock. You know, while it was going on, because right. my friends and coworkers remembered a bunch of things that I I didn't wasn't all that clear to me, but, wow. um, I was on the, uh, uh, 89th floor of the world trade center, tower one, uh, yeah. North tower. Yeah. Which um, floor,
1: sorry? 89th floor. Yeah. Oh, man.
2: And, uh, I was, uh, I just got to work that day. It was, I don't know, eight twenty, eight thirty, And I sat in my little cubicle and, um, uh, it was just like my, you know, looking at a friend's website or something. And, and, uh, uh that was it there's this loud sound like uh it was like being underneath a, a subway train like uh, if you hear you know you hear this roar coming and then it's over you and in that instant my my chair jumped up in the air and landed back down and by the second floor the parts of the ceiling had collapsed and um uh the uh, i could see from where i was i could see the front doors of the office. And uh, they also faced north, um, so they had blown in, like they had blown. I guess, like if it was, there had been a black uh, a backdraft. Yeah, so they blew the other way, and uh, I was kind of stunned and, and wasn't sure what to do. And one woman ran. There were only there was about a twenty person office, and there were five of us there at the time. It was, uh, I guess, early, um, just the start of the day, obviously. And uh, she ran out into the hallway. And to see, you know, uh, how to, uh, which stairwells to go to or or something. And we tried to follow her, the rest of us, the other four of us. And we were just kind of overcome by smoke.
0: We went around.
2: We went into this um, kind of storage room, uh, copy room. And there was another exit there into the hallway. So we, uh, we, we made our way through there. Some of the shelves had fallen over, but it was such a narrow room we could still walk our way under the or crawl under these metal bookshelves. And by the time we got out of that, room, um, uh, there was a lot of smoke and stuff. We opened that door and, uh, uh, the other woman had, who had run out said, all the stairwells are, are locked, but I found this other office, this office right next to ours, which was a little bit smaller. Uh, they had a bunch of people in there and the phones were working. So we went in there and, um, uh, people started calling their families and saying, Oh, we're okay. You know, we didn't had no idea what happened. I, my thought was uh, maybe, you know, a pipe burst or something on my floor. I, you know, no idea what was causing this. Yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, someone had on a, like a, a radio, just a music radio. And, um, uh, you know, they quickly broke in with, uh, you know, what had happened that a plane hit at the building. We were, Pretty stunned by that, uh, although we were already pretty stunned. And um,
4: which was the impact floor um, again?
2: Um, I uh, I had just uh, I just uh, looked some stuff up again before I uh, talked to you, but I think it was ninety three was the lowest. It was like ninety three to ninety six or something, or higher. Yeah, I don't yeah know.
4: that sounds about right. Uh, yeah.
2: So it it was close to us, and and possibly part of our floor also, uh, you know, taken out. I don't know, but. Uh, 93, I think was was the bottom of it. Um, and so we were in that office for a little while and, um, uh, people were calling home, you know, saying, Hey, we're okay. But I didn't want to call cause I wasn't okay yet. I was thinking, you know, once I get out of there, I'd call.
1: Yeah, 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 um, yeah exactly. If you can't even, you don't even yeah. think you can make it down yet. You're not jumping the gun and saying everything's cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, then these guys came. They were Port Authority, or um, uh, Port Authority security guys, and they had been going around uh, looking for people and telling them they had cleared one of the stairwells from debris, with debris and were saying, go down this way. So they helped us find the stairwell to go down and uh, went on looking for others. and, and um, I should have prepared with their names because I know that they saved a lot of people's lives and they ended up dying. Those two guys, and they saved a lot of people. Um, And uh, so they had pointed us to the stairwell and we started down and um, uh, I don't know how long this is. Oh, you know what? (laughs) I forgot one little detail while we were still in that office. um, We felt a shake. A big tremor, and I thought maybe a ceiling or something in our building had collapsed. But quickly, the radio told us that that was uh, the other tower being hit. Um, And so then we knew that it wasn't an accident, um, whatever was going on. um, And uh, so you you were up there for a
1: while then. That would have been 20, I think it was what, 20 or 40 minutes apart? Yeah, we
2: were, uh, it took us a good five or 10 minutes to get over to that other office. And then was that maybe another 15, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I don't remember the times exactly, but, uh, before the, that shaking. And then the Port Authority police came and and helped us, uh, um, not too long after that, uh, to start down the steps. And then somewhere around the, they weren't too crowded as high up as we were. I mean, I guess a lot of people who could evacuate already did, um, but it got more crowded the farther we got down. And I think somewhere in the fifties, uh, we were on start on 89 and somewhere in the fifties, there was just too much water and debris in the stairwell. And we had to go through to another stairwell. And, and, uh, I was just following other people. I mean, I I was, you know, just going with, uh, whatever was going on. And, and, um, people were lighting up the, uh, everything was dark and there were, like walls caved in and, and so we were climbing a little bit over some debris and people were lighting stuff up with their cell phones um and i don't think i even had one back then but uh we finally got to another stairwell and headed down and somewhere in the 30s i'm pretty sure it was in the 30s we uh started seeing firemen in full gear walking up and i'm afraid i had no idea if those guys made it out i, I had very little interaction with them but yeah. Uh just think just thinking how incredible it was to be walking all that way with all that gear um, and finally we made it down to uh the the landing um, and I kind of remember seeing the I don't you know the the sphere that got like dented uh, it's um, I forget what it was actually a statue of but it was a, a, a big like bronze here, and it got uh, a huge dent in it from falling debris. And it, I think it's now in, in uh, like, uh, it's down there still. They, they have it in one of the parks. Um, I remember seeing that and hearing a lot of thuds and things, which I uh, figured out from some of the uh, uh, documentaries and stuff later that it must have been falling body. Um, but also my, my friends and co- my, my uh, coworkers uh, uh, clearly remember seeing some people in really bad shape of bleeding and, and, and head wounds and stuff. And I don't really remember that. Uh, so I'm sure I was in shock. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, 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 couldn't go out that way. Like we could see these big glass things that led out to, uh, uh, but there was so much falling debris there we, they wouldn't let us out. And we had to go, I don't know if you're familiar with how the trade centers were, but there's a mall underneath a below ground mall, And, um, so we had to go down there and it was at least ankle deep in water um going through there which is pretty incredible because there were uh, subway trains even like a, a whole lower than where we were like a whole other level down yeah yeah for us to be ankle deep in water that whole thing was underwater entire train stations um and so we finally got to the staircase they said to go up uh so we went up and uh, we were out on the street they were saying hurry run get away and we were thinking, hey, you know, just walk down 89 flights of steps. I'm, just, I'm not running anywhere. Uh, but then uh, we got maybe a block away, half a block, I'm not sure. I know it was Day Street, D-E-Y. Uh, um, and uh, we felt the rumbling, and it was not our building tower, but Tower 2 that was coming down. Um, and oh, Tower 2 came it, down it like a mo- Yeah, okay. and it was like a monster movie. You know, it was like this this big uh, smog monster was devouring the building. It was, uh, and, there were, and like a monster, movie, people were like looking up and pointing and screaming. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I I saw a CNN cameraman who wasn't moving. He was, you know, trying to capture it. And um, I was sure that guy must have died in it. But then I, I tried to reach out to CNN or somebody and uh, as far as I know, they didn't lose any camera people. So that's cool. But... Uh, with the uh, the smoke coming down, um, I think I'm leaving out a lot of details. There were there were five people in my office, and uh, we were all together going down the steps. And at some point, we were separated from two of them. There was uh, I was with uh, two others, and there were these two other girls that got uh, separated. And we knew we were going to be separated. We said, "Okay, well, because uh, at some point the stairwell was crowded going down. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll meet you. Uh, we'll meet you when we get out." And so three of us were together, but then when that building started coming down. We just ran. We were not together anymore. And uh, I ran uh, towards. Uh, I was thinking if I ran north, maybe I could, um, you know, outrun the smoke. Uh, you know, I, which is silly. You know, if you're thinking logically, because it was above me, it was coming at me from every direction, not just behind me. But wasn't uh, the clearest frame of mind. So I, I was running, uh, looking for a store somewhere to duck inside. And I guess maybe a block away. Uh, I just happened to be on a block that that looked maybe you know one of the few blocks in new york where there's there's just not any stores there there was the church that i was next to when the building started coming down and i went around the corner and then uh, i was on i was near uh park row it's called and uh, the one shop on the side of the building that was like across the street from me uh, uh diagonally uh, i saw a door i went in there uh, uh actually it was it, it, the smoke overcame me Totally black, and, and uh, uh, I had just made it to this door, and it opens, and a fireman pulled me in, and it was uh, uh, a coffee shop, uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, he, you know, I kind, of, kind of went into the lobby of that building, which was in the process of being evacuated, um, and uh, so there were lots of people in the lobby, and I realized uh, I think I was the only one there, just totally covered in soot, and. Uh, So people were kind of looking at me and, you know, of course they knew why, but um, uh, there's this black marble lobby uh, and I realized after about five minutes uh, that some of the marble black walls were not walls, they were windows. It was so pitch black outside that um, as the dust started to settle, uh, I saw they were windows and and, uh, whatever evacuation they had going on, they just sort of let people wander out. And I wander out, wandered out into the street, um, uh, thinking I would just go. Uh, uh, I lived in Brooklyn at the time, but my parents lived in New Jersey, not too far away. And I just wanted to get out of the city if I could. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I figured I'd hop on the bus and, and go to my parents and, and hide under a bed for a while. Um, and I uh, got outside, and I was looking around and hoping to find my coworkers. And, uh, I was right by, I said this before that I was right near Park Row, which is, I don't know if that's why they call it that, but buses park there. It's the beginning of some bus routes and they go north from there. Well, some of them go north from there. And so I got on one and um, I sat down and uh, looking out the window, I saw lots of people, some like me covered in soot. And I saw one guy who looked like my friend Tom, who, who uh, um, uh, was in my office. And I started banging on the window and uh, I was so hopeful that that was him, you know, and it, the guy looked at me, hopefully, and it, it wasn't him. And I thought it was kind of dumb to think I would find him so easily, and uh, someone tapped me on the shoulder, and there he was. It was my friend Tom was already on the bus. Oh, wow, wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he said, oh, he looked up to see who the crazy guy banging on the window was, and uh, he asked, you know, if if uh, I minded if uh, we ride the bus together up, up to, uh, uh, you know, and... Uh, was, he was a little, uh, uh, also in shock, but, uh, unlike me who was physically, uh, untouched, he had actually been outside uh, a little longer. Uh, I don't know if he made it into the same building I made it into, uh, I'm still not sure about that, but he had actually been hit with some debris and was afraid he had a concussion. So, um, we petted North on that bus. Eventually the bus took off and, and started heading up and, um, uh, at some point we weren't too far away. Uh, you know, the streets were crowded, lots of uh, people and cars. And, and, um, at some point we felt the rumble, which I, I don't think anyone had to tell us. It was our building coming down. Yeah. Least, you know, we saw some more smoke. Uh, yeah. It didn't get black where we were. The sky didn't you know like before, but we were sure uh, of that. And eventually we made it to, uh, uh, our goal was to go to Rockefeller center, which is in midtown. Um, And his wife worked there, so he wanted to meet up with her before he went home. He also lived in New Jersey, so I was going to uh, stick with him as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the time we got there, uh, that uh, Rockefeller Center had already been evacuated. So we wandered around. We went to a a, a hotel, and they let us uh, wash up in in the bathroom and use their phones which was very nice. I'll give an ad for Doubletree Hotel. Thank you. They helped us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually yeah don't we started at Doubletree
4: for the first paradigm.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah? All right, cool. Uh, I hope they let you use the, the bathroom, even if you mm-hmm. pay for them. Um, um, uh, so we, uh, uh, I called my parents, and he called his, uh, he tried to call his wife, and he, he eventually, we found out where she was. She was waiting to hear from him, uh, uh, anxiously, she hadn't left the city yet. Uh, and so we met up with her, uh, and I forget where it might've been a restaurant. I know we ended up, I don't think so. We, we ended up going to, uh, first we went to uh, a Port Authority bus terminal and it was just a crazy mess there. And we went to, um, we tried to take a ferry
1: across and the line for the ferry was just, it looked like like days and days long. So, yeah, it's so, like everybody uh, we, trying to get off the island of Manhattan, I guess.
2: Yeah, we waited We waited in the ferry line for a little bit, I, I think,
1: and then we gave up on it and decided to try Penn Station,
2: which would be the, instead of a bus, it would be trains. And so the second we got in, uh, Tom heard his town being called. And so I, I just went with them. I, you know, they, they didn't really live that close to my parents, but um, uh, close enough. So I hopped on the train and it was the uh it was like a uh you know, generally commuter trains. Uh subway trains you can stand on, but those trains you don't they don't have like people just standing on them. Everyone has a seat or they take a different train. But this day it was packed, as packed as it could be, and everybody was, you know, standing and, and uh we finally uh got to uh I think Tom's parents' house and uh um yeah, I called my parents, and they came and picked me up, and i uh, that was it. I hid out in New Jersey for about a week or two, um, and uh, that was my uh, living adventure.
4: <laughs> wow. That's it. That sounds intense. That must have been a crazy day. I was right just there just like watching me. a
1: movie there with him, yeah. Well. Wow. Yeah. what? I felt I was picturing the whole thing oh, yeah. like it's like a movie, kind of. <laughs> I see
4: what you're saying yeah. right now. Yeah.
1: Did you hear like when that when that when those when those towers came down? Did you hear any explosions or anything like that? Like people say, or was there? Um, I I didn't I didn't um uh, uh I mean uh you know I said I, I was in shock.
2: I you know there were there were definitely details I missed that that my friends picked up on. There was the explosion that um uh, I I'm. I'm guessing it was just the the backdraft, you know, the because the plane came and hit the north face yeah. the way that we faced out. Yeah, yeah. But then the 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 front doors to the office, which which were you know uh, I don't know how many yards back from the the windows, uh, but they blew in towards the windows. I'm so the plane came in one way and the doors blown open in the opposite direction. So. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so if there was, I'm not saying there wasn't, I'm saying I, I'm, I'm sure it was a backdraft, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did, I didn't hear anything other than that particular explosion. Uh, and, uh, uh, when we felt the tower two coming down, when we were still in tower one, I didn't hear a series of explosions. It was, I'm sorry, not the tower coming down. I'm mixing it all up now. Uh, you know, of course, when the plane hit tower two, oh, yeah, when yeah, we yeah. were still yeah. in tower one. Yeah. Uh, When the plane hit, uh, so uh, I'm I'm just jumbling things up now, I'm sorry. But uh, no, I I had no point that i hear multiple explosions. It was all the way I saw Tower 2 coming down. It was the smoke expanding out and coming down. It looked like the smoke was devouring the building. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I I don't have anything that could help... uh, uh, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, it, um I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I listen to your show, so of course I'm interested in the conspiracy theories, so, yeah. uh, and and uh, you know, um, well,
1: yeah, I mean that's uh, a hard that's a hard I, topic to to broach because you're a survivor of the thing, so you feel like you know you got to tread lightly with the conspiracy theories and stuff, but I mean that's why it's so nice well, to, nice know, to I, talk to you because you know. I, I wonder what you're, I kind of wonder about the process, if we can talk to you about like, you know, you being involved in that, in that terror attack. And then, you know, um, there must've been some pretty visceral uh, hate or anger or feelings about um, what happened. And then, and then was there a transition to maybe questioning the general narrative of it over time?
2: Well, um, I was never, ever a fan of uh, Bush. And so, uh, it was, you know, I don't really think that he was involved. It's a lot easier for me to be Lee Cheney was involved. But even to say that is, I think, pretty strong words. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I was never a fan of them. And so I, I, you know, at the time, it was easy to say, you know, how could they not? And, and as time goes by more and more with them and, and all the presidents since, you know, obviously there are Saudis involved. So know what's up with that uh but um uh i mean you know our government really ignoring that fact um but uh, i'm not sure where i'm going with it well, well I, th-
1: I think i can oh, help oh, you I th- okay go ahead being,
2: being upset yeah uh i i i didn't want to run rush into uh, i i didn't think we should attack anybody without you know they were saying we're not sure but we're gonna invade iraq that didn't I wasn't crazy about that plan because I, you know, I didn't think just blowing shit up for the sake of blowing shit up was, you know, that's not going to help anything.
1: Exactly.
2: And then they seem to use it as an excuse, obviously to, to go in there for whatever motives
1: yeah. you had otherwise.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm glad they, uh, eventually did get them on. Um, but my, my anger was, uh it was there, but you to, to I never wanted them to to just uh, attack blindly you yeah. know, to to uh, uh
1: blind retribution or, or whatever you might call it i fe- I feel like there's stages of of um of awareness about that like I would have started almost like well how could they let this happen like how could You know, this, this, these planes been allowed or like, you know, been able to penetrate the the most secure nation of the world, like that sort of part, like of denial of like, what the fuck? How did they let that happen to like years down the road going, going, there's different levels to this conspiracy, like Joseph Farrell would say, where, you know, yeah, sure, planes hit the building and then you know, did they fall because of the planes or were they, was there some other level? And then there's the whole financial conspiracy. I mean, when you add up all of it now, years later, it's hard to imagine it, Yeah, you know, it being an isolated terrorist event.
2: Um, it, it is. Uh, I mean, I can, I mean, some of the, you know, some of the, the, uh, the ideas about like the financial thing that they were, you know, uh, they had taken the gold out and that, you know, that whole thing that they compare it with the Titanic, they say they did the same thing on the Titanic, and I think that's that's uh, that's pretty smart—not uh, to have done for real, but as a concept. You know, it's like the the I don't believe in the the flat Earth thing, but that that idea that you know how they've they've imagined the world really is—I uh, thought that was brilliant. You know, yeah. but I don't really believe that. Yeah. So you know, that's what I'm saying is that that the, the conspiracy theories—I'm not saying they're not true. I'm saying they're, they're, they're clever and very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Um, um, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I, I even like the wackier ones, like the, the, which I'm not saying they're not your either. The, 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 the planes were holograms and the, the Judy Woods, um, uh, energy the, weapons yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. um, that stuff, uh, uh, you know, uh if if you're closer to believing it it's terrifying and if you're not it's uh just really interesting ideas. Um what
1: about, so, uh, what about what about what yeah. about like what about the general the main argument from the nine eleven crowd? I mean I know that the, it's still divided as well, but like the truth crowd that says it was just uh de- like the the buildings were um you know, demolished or or not. Uh, it wasn't because of the, you know, the planes and the fire. And then there's Building Seven. Like, do you kind of do you resonate with that? At least that they were they were. Um, what's the um, word I'm looking
4: for, Darren? Demolished.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. I thought there's another. I thought I was missing another um, term. Uh, I, I I don't know. You know. I, I think it's
2: definitely possible. I think uh, uh, it would have to be really well. Kind, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh um but I don't know. I, I uh I mean I I just can't say for sure. It's 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 not, you know, uh I listen to these, you know, I um I, into conspiracy stuff. It's not that hard for me to imagine that it really did happen that way. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. but um uh, I don't know. I, I uh, you know, I, I can't say it definitely did or did obviously, but I, I, I. Um, but, but you're open, yeah. You're, open, unlike, you're open to it. A unlike bit. unlike UFOs, I I don't want to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, um, I uh, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's it is it is uh more possible than most people want to think it is. Yeah. Yeah. What was uh, your... I'll definitely say that. I think most people are, are, are in denial of how possible uh,
1: something like that actually could be. Yeah, exactly. So what, what about um, your process of healing throughout that over the years? Like, did you have to, I mean, obviously you talked about going to talk therapy or counseling and stuff like that. So has it been a pretty, has yeah, it, has, yeah. have you, healed, have you managed to kind of deal with the post-traumatic stress part of it? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's still there
2: a little bit, but I, I you know, I think of it as uh, I was. I was in therapy for for a couple of years, um, and it helped tremendously, just really tremendously. Um, and uh, I mean, especially that when I was still in Jersey at my parents, the first few weeks, and then a couple months after, I, there were some like, I, I, I've always been, I've always had mild depression my whole life, and I, I didn't even know it. Like I wasn't sure what that feeling was, but when I had it from the the oh, just days after uh, the the PTSD, the, just the blackness uh, the the just just utter like for, I don't know how many, a week or two, at least if not more, Mm -hmm. there was just this numbness. I I just, you know, sometimes you feel like you're tuned into things. It was the total opposite of that. I was just totally disconnected. I was disconnected from everything. And and it was, uh, and so therapy helped a, a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, talking about it. And, um, you know, I, 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 think of it as I was in a war zone for maybe two hours, you know, I mean, so the people that, that, uh, the, uh, the, the military who really are in war zones who are, you know, I, I can't imagine that level, you know,
1: um, S- sustained. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm doing pretty well. I, I, you know, uh, if I have, uh, for a while, a long while I had disaster dreams, but I, if I have them now, uh, they're a lot milder if that's possible. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, am slowly getting things back. Like I used to love to watch, uh, like thunderstorms and, and, um, you know, things that are just loud crashes or, um, they don't really freak me out, but, uh, not as enjoyable as they used to be, um. But some of that stuff is coming back, uh, or has come back much since for the last 16 years.
4: Um, Well, that's a uh, a pretty good retelling. That'll tie in really well with our 9-11. Of course, we're going to talk to, we've got an interview with Richard Gage we're going to play next. But uh, I did have a couple quick questions before we jumped into that. Um, they'll become a little more pertinent later in the episode, our listeners will find out, but did you notice in the, in the months or weeks heading up to, uh, the attacks, if there was any elevator construction going on in either of the towers or the tower you were in, at least? <laughs>
2: uh, that's funny. Uh, uh, I, uh, cause I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't remember that at all. Uh, that doesn't mean it wasn't happening, just not something I recall at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I know that that uh we got lunch in our office every day they 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 bought it for us because uh, uh the way we were up on eighty nine and it took twenty minutes to go up you know the the journey from the lobby to my office was twenty minutes, not because <laughs> the elevators were slow, but because uh you uh had to go up one flight you had to wait, you know there's thousands of people working there, you had to wait for the elevator and you got it, and you went up to i think forty something 4042 I don't know when you got off there I could be wrong about that number but there's definitely yeah. an elevator switch and then you wait again for a while and then the elevator takes you to your floor and um and then you get walk uh, I definitely a walk to your but 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 so there's a lot going on with the elevators so I I think what I'm trying to say is if there was construction it would not have even phased me you know it wouldn't have been something i thought about at all yeah exactly um so I'm sorry, I don't, no,
4: <laughs> I, no, no, I cannot uh, confirm it tonight. No, yet. that's okay. And the, the only other question I had is you had mentioned in the, the start of that, that you tried a couple of the stairwell doors and they were locked. Is that, is that normal? That do, you know? me, that was, uh, I, do you know that that was, I'm sorry? Do you know if that's normal? Okay. Like I know in most of the high rises I'm in nowadays, like you can always yeah. get into the stairwell from the floor, but then you, well, not, a lot of times right. you can't get out of the stairwell on other floors, but you're once, you can always get right. into that stairwell
2: right well I, I had heard it said that that uh that was definitely some conspiracy that the, the doors were locked uh as far as i know uh they were i never tried to go to to go down the stairs uh but I, I think they were supposed to be open and I'm pretty sure that they were blocked uh because yeah. of debris yeah, yeah uh following you know uh uh that was what happened uh uh, when we had gone down the first stairwell, they they had they had cleared out one of the stairwells. Uh, the guys who rescued us, who who found us, uh, they and I'm sure lots of others, uh, and uh, had cleared the debris. And um, so, as far as I know, that's why they were blocked.
1: Um, um, yeah, I, I have a quick question. Um, before Darren finishes it off here, do you have a desire for? the truth to be known? Like, do you, I mean, I mean, I I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are you more so than most people? Like, are you sort of hoping that something will, will finally be figured out here?
2: Um, sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, if, if there are things to be found, I, I definitely want them found. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are... Uh, um, uh, sorry, the, uh, yes. The, the short answer to all my arms is yes. I would like the, uh, uh, whatever truth there is to come out.
1: Yeah.
4: Well, I encourage everyone to head over to GrandAmerica.ca and check out uh, Be the Rabbit Hole, which is Evan's blog Thanks. on the site. He's got some great artwork on there. He's got the Grimojis...
1: Oh, that's right. And some yeah. some
4: coloring books and he's got some recounting. He's got a recounting of his 911 um story there as well and some really really cool stuff that's that's definitely worth checking out. Um, big thanks to Evan for coming on the show and for doing all this great content for the website.
1: All right, it was great to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks for being so honest and open about that. We really we really appreciate getting that uh, inside scoop on on what happened there. All right. I hope it was interesting it's my best story
4: absolutely yeah no kidding i bet you, you you have to tell that one quite a bit uh yeah yeah well everyone uh, i know it's like a
2: period but
4: yes <laughs> okay well big thanks to evan for coming on the show check out his blog of course uh big thanks to richard gage for coming on the show as well he is coming up next uh we did have a limited amount of time with him but i think we did squeeze out almost an hour so uh enjoy the chat guys
1: So tonight we have Richard Gage here, AIA, member of the American Institute of Architects and founder of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, San, San Francisco Bay Area architect himself. It's really good to have you here, uh, Richard. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing tonight?
3: Thank you, Graham. I'm doing great. And I'm excited to uh, be on the show and share p- with people you know, what really happened on 9-11 that they
1: probably haven't heard. Yeah, this is great. I saw your presentation, like we were just chatting briefly before we started recording, and at the Red Pill Expo, and I was pretty blown away. Even though I'm somewhat familiar with with your work and you know and, and the different types of evidence here, it was it was really good to see that presentation. It was it was pretty mind blowing. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to
4: digging into that with uh, you and all our listeners. Yeah, and I come from a world of high steel construction, so yeah, I'm look, I'm looking forward to this.
3: Oh, great! I'm glad to hear that, Darren. Uh, that is. Uh... That is uh, important. We're going to have a lot to talk about today.
4: Yeah, I spend uh, I spend quite a bit of time in them. So
1: great. So yeah, I guess we should start. I mean, let's let's not um, you know play around the corners too much. Let's just get right into like World Trade Center Seven, really, which is um, we can get into your background and stuff later if we have time. But I mean, I don't want to miss uh, the most important components of this of this chat. So what, what do people need to know? Like, you know, WTTC7 is uh, probably one of the most important parts of your investigation here.
3: Well, it is, and and, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a 47-story a skyscraper that collapsed on 9-11. Now, who cares about a another skyscraper that collapsed? Well, everybody should be caring. Uh, th- this is... This happened on 9-11, and most architects and engineers are completely unaware that a 47-story skyscraper collapsed at 520 in the afternoon Mm. after witnesses heard explosions. This building drops like a rock straight down uniformly, symmetrically into its own footprint in under seven seconds. And it looks exactly like a classic controlled demolition, like the old hotels in Las Vegas. So, guess what? It is. <laughs> and there's a lot more evidence to show that that's exactly what brought it down. And so that's why it's so important uh, because, you know, ne- they, what do they say? They say normal office fires brought this building down. Well, office fires have never brought down a skyscraper, ever. And so here for the first time, we have an unprecedented failure uh, in this fashion uh, by office fires. Well, no, we're not buying it. And the evidence shows uh, diametrically opposed to that. So uh, we'll go through that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Darren, what would that be like? 47 stories. That's that it seems small because it's next to the Twin Towers, but that's,
4: in... there's not much in Calgary that's bigger than that. <laughs> See, that's... Like, like the new, the new 8th Avenue place, I think is about 750 feet. I stood on the tip of it when it was being constructed. And that's, I think that's 49 stories plus mechanical. Yeah, so,
1: I mean, that's like the, that's one of the taller buildings we have in our city. So it's not small at all.
3: No, no, this is huge. Uh, In fact, most of the states don't have buildings that big. So uh, why is this important? Well, uh, we've we've had over 100 skyscraper fires uh, that have been much hotter, larger, and longer lasting. Hmm. And they've never brought down a skyscraper. So you'd think there'd be the biggest forensic analysis ever on the steel for this. Uh, and yet, starting two weeks after nine eleven, it's carted away and sent to China for recycling before investigators could get their hands on it. <laughs>
4: that was, there was, that was, that was re- all the steel, wasn't it?
3: Uh, yeah, and after that, that steel was taken away, all the steel, 99% of it, was uh, including the Twin Towers steel, which is uh, 200,000 tons of steel framing. Uh, was, was taken away, yeah. <laughs> it's extraordinary because what did FEMA say about that? The few pieces of steel, I mean two, that were saved, well, that were documented in the FEMA report, the, the only two pieces they could get their hands on to document, uh, they, they noted that there's a severe hot temperature corrosion attack on the steel. Now, this is a detailed metallurgical examination done in Appendix C of the Building Performance Assessment Report by FEMA in May of 2002. What do they say? Hot corrosion attack on the steel, molten iron invading the steel. Now, hot, molten, elemental iron, where does that come from? Where does the sulfur come from? Well, uh, thermite is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. It issues 4,000 degree uh, temperatures of molten iron to, in order to cut through steel. So, where they basically documented uh, the use of thermite. In fact, thermate because sulfur is added to thermite, so it becomes thermate, hmm. which is much more effective at cutting through steel.
1: Is that the same as the nanothermite that you hear all over the place? Is, this, is it the same thing, just another way to call it, or? Uh, no. Uh, thermite has been used for uh,
3: 100 years in the, uh, starting with the railroad industry, for welding. Uh, and, and so, what we've also found uh, a small team of scientists led by Niels Harrett in Copenhagen throughout all of the World Trade Center pulverized concrete powder from river to river across lower Manhattan, a three square mile area with a blanket four inches thick of this incredible. Powder, uh, I mean, how did all that concrete, uh, 90,000 tons in each tower, get pulverized to a fine powder? Anyway, in it, um, that's evidence in and of itself of explosives. Mm -hmm. But through all all the samples they documented contain these dual-layered red-gray chips about a sixteenth of an inch long. The red layer is composed of iron oxide and aluminum powders, the ingredients of thermite. But at a nanoscale, uh, we're talking of the the particles are a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. So, the this is a very sophisticated process um, developed actually by Lawrence Livermore Laboratory and Los Alamos Laboratory. Uh, this is called nanothermite. That's hmm. where what you've been hearing about. Uh, it is um, a very very high tech substance made only in the most advanced defense contracting laboratories. And this is documented in a peer-reviewed paper uh, in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal. So we've got to have an investigation here that acknowledges uh, all of this evidence, including uh, the also found in the dust uh, by the U.S. Geological Survey and by other independent environmental consulting firms like R.J. Lee uh, they document uh, billions, in all, every sample, billions of these uh, previously molten iron droplets. Uh, they're about just naked, almost naked to the human eye. You can you can see them. They range actually up in a, to about 16th of an inch round, but they're spherical, so they're previously molten iron. They're made of elemental iron. It's not molten, melted steel, so it doesn't come from the fire or the steel. Where does it come from? Well, again, molten iron is the byproduct of thermite. So if you had thermite cutter charges laced throughout the columns and beams in the building and under explosive conditions, you would aerosolize the byproduct of that thermite, which is what? Molten iron. Hmm. So aerosolized liquid uh, by its surface tension forms itself into these spheres. So this is exactly what happened to these multilayered red-gray chips when this team of scientists subjected them to uh, an intense heater at about 800, 900 degrees, they ignite, producing much hotter temperatures, uh, showing that it's an energetic uh, thermitic material. And they release what? These spheres, the same spheres that the uh, USGS and R.J. Lee found in all of the World Trade Center dust. So we know exactly where they came from, because they didn't know; they they merely speculated. So it's a very much a self corroborating set of data that uh, could put a lot of people away for a long time, if we can get it into a court of law.
4: So there's no way that... Was there... there, And that was in Building 7, too? The same thing happened in Building 7? There's no way that could happen from pancaking.
3: Well, yeah, there's 47 floors. We'd expect to see 47 pancakes in pretty bad shape laid at the bottom of Building 7 and the Twin Towers. There's 110 floors each, in those buildings, uh, about a dozen of those floors are 12-inch thick, excuse me, 8-inch thick concrete. So we should have seen all of those pancakes stacked up, but no, we don't. We see a, a pile of core columns, perimeter columns at the bottom of the towers. Uh, where did all that concrete go? It's not laying at the bottom. Well, if you look at the photos and videos, they all tell you where they went. They're pulverized in midair, causing this powder, basically like an ash that we talked about. Uh, spreading across lower Manhattan. Hmm. So in midair, there, we're talking about pulverizing all of the concrete. And so this is extraordinary. This this doesn't, you know, crack up and break when it hits the ground. It is pulverized in midair as well. We have laterally, freely flying four-ton structural steel sections, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them landing up to 600 feet away after having been expelled at 60 to 80 miles per hour laterally out of the side of the towers, uh, freely flying. So this takes extraordinary uh, explosive force to launch those projectiles.
4: That was
1: some of the steel you're talking about that was flying? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And for the most it's, part,
4: concrete tends to just keep getting harder. You know, like it to, yeah, it's not like it gets, it's old concrete, you know, like... In my experience, the older concrete gets, it just gets harder and harder. All
3: right. Oh, yeah. It would take incredible uh, concussive force to, to break up concrete into powder. I mean, a- as well as the metal decking that the concrete was poured in. Altogether, 220 acres of metal decking is missing. You know, it should also be stacked up uh, with the concrete down on the bottom. It is absolutely missing.
4: That's crazy. And the concrete should be, like, adhered to it every place via all the Nelson studs and everything. Like, it shouldn't be able to, it, there should be massive pieces of, I would think even with yeah. explosives, even with standard explosives, there would be massive pieces of concrete and Q-Deck all over the place.
3: Yeah, he- held on to the rebar, right? Yeah, uh, that's but right. The, you, you see a twisted nest, of a rat's nest of rebar. Down at the bottom, but you don't see concrete uh, adhering to it anywhere.
1: Wow! So, what other what yeah. other direct evidences are for for WTTTC seven then being a controlled uh, demolition?
3: Well, we we have uh, uh, the complete. We we have a uh, a. a, um, a, a, a a moment resisting steel frame structure that where the columns and beams are rigidly welded to each other. That's that's the way this building was designed. Okay. And yet, um, at the at the in the pile, you have four to five stories of of a haystack pile uh-huh. uh, around here. So so what you if any kind of a natural collapse, these very rigid column to beam connections uh, should be maybe bent. Uh, but and, and maybe this thing would tip over, uh, but all of the column-to-beam connections had to have been severed in order for this building to fall like a house of cards, one floor...
4: Simultaneously, uh, uh, under, I might add.
3: Oh, yeah. All, all the, well, good point. You know, all, th- th- this building comes down symmetrically. How do you bring a building down symmetrically, much less than seven seconds? You have to cut all 80 columns in this building otherwise the building you know after a a severe local uh damage would would begin to fall and bend and and fall over towards the path of least resistance well if all those columns are creating uh no resistance all at once i.e by explosives exactly the way they do in the old las vegas hotels in a controlled demolition then the building can only fall straight down symmetrically. Hmm. That's the only way to do it. And this is one reason we hired the University of Alaska and have, we have Leroy Halsey, one of the top forensic structural engineers in the country to in, undergo a three-year, uh, two-year $300,000 uh, computerized study to show uh, what really happened in this building. It's it's the computerized study that NIST was tasked to do by Congress, uh, but Uh, not just failed, but produced fraudulent reports, uh, which are proven so by this new uh, investigation, which will be uh, completed uh, and released finally in October. Uh, But we will have a progress report in a live-streamed presentation at the University of Alaska uh, by his team uh, on September 6th. So that'll be a very important oh, wow. milestone event as well for all of us to tune into. Yes. And then we're going to, yeah, we're going to carry the results of that study. He's already said, uh, in fact, he was testifying in front of a panel of a dozen attorneys along with the rest of the, uh, several other experts on the collapse of this building. Uh, and he was asked by a famous, um, attorney, uh, uh danny sheehan yep and danny danny says uh well on a scale of one to a one, 100 one to 100 what is the likelihood that fire could have brought this building down fire of course being the official cause of this building collapse he says zero wow that's amazing coming from a professional you know structural engineers are very cautious and conservative uh but he's uh he's absolutely clear about his findings so we're very excited. So the, the the university, in fact, is using this project as their flagship uh, project. They're not afraid of the ramifications at all.
4: No engineers tend to leave themselves some wiggle room most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you can you give us so, a sneak peek into that computer
1: model and and what what uh, it shows? I just had well, one I've more.
4: Is there uh-huh? no possibility that every piece of steel, every bolt, and every weld were just the exact same level of quality?
3: Well, even if they were or if they weren't, they wouldn't fail at the exact same time unless you had shaped cutter charges uh, attached to uh, them.
4: Yeah, that's right. Like how a pancake should come, even if if it pancaked, it would be like slowly gaining momentum, right?
3: Oh, yeah, it would crash, you know, and it would take the the top floor uh, crashing on the bottom floor. But even... Even if that happened, you'd have to take out all the perimeter columns and the core columns virtually at the same time, and then you might get the top floor with the dynamic load crashing on the next floor and the next floor and the next floor. And that's sort of what they were saying happened over at the Twin Towers. But in the case of the Twin Towers, what they say is the 15-story section above the point of jet plane impacts mm-hmm. in the North Tower, for instance, is... Uh, because of the weakening by the fires, uh, this massive structure just fell all at once and then crushed every floor beneath it all the way down to the ground. And by the way, that happens in nearly freefall acceleration, meaning that those columns and beams were just completely ignored somehow by this falling mass. Well, they can't be ignored. Of course, they had to be explosively removed. Um... But then in the official story, uh, they say then it destroyed itself. Well, this is like asking a Volkswagen to run into a Mack truck and destroy the whole Mack truck. I mean, that's the physics of it. There's equal and opposite destructive force here.
1: Huh. So so the computer model, so what did, what's the difference, do you think, between what NIST officially says happened at, at Building 7 compared to what this new model is going to show, this new computer model is going to show? Well, NIST has
3: a hypothesis that the these raging fires uh, in Building Seven, which, by the way, no photo or video shows a raging fire. They're all few, they're all small, they're few, and they're scattered. Uh, and they show they say this fire was occurring at at the time of the collapse on call on uh, floor twelve.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now the the photos all show this fire moved well beyond that area uh and, and 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 so it couldn't have been responsible for what NIST says is thermal expansion the first uh cause of collapse by fire uh of this type ever <laughs> it's a new phenomena uh they say well that couldn't have been happening because th- that area was cooled down for an hour uh before Uh, before the collapse. But anyway, they say this thermal expansion caused these long-span beams to push the girder that is supporting them off of its seat on this column number 79 in the northeast corner. And that caused a local failure, causing uh, up to 10 floors to collapse uh, by pancaking. And then the interior of this building is gutted basically vertically in that northeast section. And then this instability travels laterally across the building. Now, all this happens in about 20 seconds, they say, including the top to bottom seven second collapse that we talked about earlier. Well, actually, none of it could have happened for a whole host of reasons. First of all, the fire wasn't there anymore, so those those beams weren't expanding. Uh, at the time of the collapse, and they couldn't have expanded anyway because they're fireproof. Fireproof columns don't get hot. That's why we fireproof them. So they can't expand. But even if they could expand, yeah, that's they couldn't have... Oh, yeah. It gets it gets ridiculous here because they, if they were pushing on this girder, well, the girder, according to the shop drawings, shows that it has shear studs tying it to the floor slab up above, which are heavy-duty uh, pins. It can't move independently of the floor or the column to which it's attached. But even if that could have happened, uh, the, it, it couldn't have fallen off because there's not enough thermal expansion uh, movement uh, in those beams to push it off the seat. But even if that could have happened, it, it wouldn't have uh, because NIST omitted uh, stiffeners on the ends of this girder which would have kept the flange from folding because NIST said well it didn't have to push it all the way off; it only had to push it halfway off and then the the flange of the i-beam uh folded well the the stiffeners keep it from folding but they ignored those they didn't put them in their modeling and even if that that could have happened you might have had a failure of the girder but not the failure of all three girders that are seated on that column meaning the floor above couldn't have pancaked onto the floor below so, and even if all that could have happened, yeah. and it did, pancake and managed to dislodge those heavy girders in the floor below, because it's the same design as up above, uh, you couldn't have, um, you wouldn't have had that pancaking collapse. But even if you did, you wouldn't have had this complete vertical failure of the whole in, in it, a matter yeah. of a few seconds, vertically all the way up, because you we would have seen massive deformation of the exterior perimeter steel structure, as the collapsing was happening, it would have pulled it in, breaking granite panels and windows on a massive scale that we don't see in any of the videos. So this is all disproven. And and in, in addition to that, even if that could have happened, you wouldn't have had the lateral uh, failure of this building in a, in a matter of five or six seconds uh, without also... Telegraphing exactly what was going on on the outside of the building, which is not done. In fact, the 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 videos show that the main penthouse and screen wall uh, up above uh, drops all at once, meaning everything above the elevator hoistways, the central core columns drops at once. This is not a laterally traveling instability whatsoever or it wouldn't drop all at once so that the videos disprove uh the nister uh hypothesis six ways from sunday so that's what was modeled by professor halsey and and, you know he he just took out column 79 altogether. said okay what happens if we're going to remove this column instantly there's no global collapse there's there's just local isolated local failures so He's now going to be modeling, well, how do you get a global collapse? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's going to basically remove all the columns at once. And uh, you'll see that uh, on September 6th, hopefully you'll have this computer animation model. You'll see the whole building come down exactly like the video show.
4: That's kind of like, yeah, because the way I picture it, even by that description... If it's a single column 79 Even if all those things that couldn't happen Could happen, including the last part of it Then it should topple over And fall off to the side
3: Yeah Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's what a natural Collapse, obeying the laws of Entropy or, or chaos You know, it's <laughs> physics The, the weakest uh, link Goes first and then you have a You have a, a Successive failure from that point
1: yeah, but low, but more local, not global. Like you know, a twist yeah, no, or a twist like, yeah, up, and think, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Oh, fall off to the side and
4: crush some cars.
1: So, do you guys do you guys have any demolition yeah. experts on your team, or do they? Would the demolition experts agree with all this?
3: We we have in, in our yeah we, in our DVD, nine uh, eleven explosive evidence experts speak out. We have Tom Sullivan who actually loaded explosives in buildings to destroy them. He's has some very fairly famous uh, demolitions, uh, like the ski, KeySpan towers and uh, I forget which dome, uh, some Astrodome they, they took down uh, for Control Demolition Inc. The top, the top uh, uh, control demolition company in, in in the country, which by the way, interestingly enough, uh, secured a contract for the cleanup uh, of this um, of this mess. Um, we certainly want an investigation uh, of them. And, uh, of course, the security company, under whose noses uh, would have to have been brought uh, uh, m- many, many, many dozens and dozens of tons of high-tech incendiaries and explosives. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Securicom, Stratasec, the the company uh, who had the contract for these three buildings, interestingly enough. Also, um, the, the elevator modernization that was going on in the towers the nine months prior to 9-11, uh, this uh, could have given undercover operatives uh, all the uh, cover they needed to plant these explosives because each of those elevator shafts was locked down. They're all next to the core columns and beams in the Twin
4: Towers. I was going to ask if there was any contractors in or anything like that. And they were on all three buildings?
3: Uh, two of the buildings for the largest elevator modernization in the world. <clears throat> this was actually the two twin towers. Wow. It, it was documented in Elevator World, <laughs> which um, March, of and, March of 2000, there's a whole uh, article uh, in it. So I, I, we don't know that they're involved, but <clears throat> it's an obvious source, of, a place of investigation.
4: Yeah, I would say the elevator people could uh, could definitely get you. Yeah. Like that—that that access to those shafts. That's at all the stru- most structural parts of the building. Even today, in the more in the more like it seems like here in Canada anyway, it's gone more down the road of concrete cores with steel structures. But yeah. you know, man, if you have access to those elevator shafts, you have access to everything.
3: Well, there's only chipboard surrounding those elevators and there was lots of complaints uh, by the tenants about uh, white powder on the desks uh, (laughs) due to the work that was going on in the elevator shaft. Of
1: course. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And this is why we have uh, the Bobby McIlvain Act uh, this year uh, heading to Congress. Um, We will be... Uh, After the the September 6th presentation of Dr. Halsey, I'll I'll be in New York uh, pre-announcing the Bobby McElbane Act and showing films in Manhattan on Friday night, September 8th at 630 in Foley Square, an outdoor film festival where we'll be showing whistleblower Peter Ketchum uh, in, uh, 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 in a film that we made of him. I forgot the title. Uh, but also Ed Asner narrates a 15-minute documentary on World Trade Center 7, which your listeners can see on YouTube uh, for free. Okay. Uh, and it's a great way to introduce people to the concept of 9-11 truth because everybody who sees it just is automatically sold on, on the, the con- controlled demolition of Building 7. And then they're more open-minded to the Twin Towers. Uh, evidence because you know we all were quite affected psychologically on that day we're under attack we're basically reduced to an infantile state of of uh, consciousness uh, wanting to know you know what's going on so we we accept from the authorities the first day uh the explanation oh yes don't worry this was 19 fundamental well worry this was 19 fundamentalist hijackers and we got to go get them in Afghanistan and Iraq, well, we've killed more than two million people there. We've started uh, probably another eight wars since then, and we've lost civil liberties that our forefathers fought for. So we've got to have an investigation that looks at the cause of all of this and pulls the rug out from underneath the the post-9-11 uh, damage to America's reputation and, and the killing of uh, on a mass scale, people all around us in the surveillance state that has resulted, it's, it's all got to be brought down. So that's what this act does. It's designed after the Benghazi uh, Investigation Act, and then uh, we've adopted this, and Bob McIlvain Bob McIlvain is, uh, who lost his son Bobby, in, in the, uh, uh, just outside of the North Tower, uh, he is uh, spearheading uh, this effort uh, to get Congressman uh, to to one Congressman out of 535 to introduce it into the House, and so we hope the political environment will support that more than it does right now. But this is our effort going on into the next year uh, to to really put some some rubber uh, under on um, under the uh, wheels of the 9/11 Truth Movement. So uh, that press conference will be at the National Press Club on September 11th uh, at 1 p.m. in Washington, D.C. So we encourage everybody to come down because right after that, we're going straight over to Capitol Hill and begin the hand delivery of the Bobby McIlvain Act package to all 535 members of Congress, including the petitions signed by 2,900 architects and engineers now, as well as the preliminary findings from the Holsey report.
1: Wow, that's great. So
3: yeah, making yeah. lots of headway. Yeah, lots lots is happening. And that night, for those of you who are in Washington, DC, uh, there will be an, yet another panel of experts in various fields of nine eleven truth, including myself, um and uh Peter Ketchum, who will be there as well. Um, a NIST whistleblower. He worked for NIST for uh fourteen years and and was just shocked to find what they had done uh to the good name of that organization because that leadership of NIST was replaced when uh, President Bush uh, came in. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, they, they've really screwed things up uh, for, as far as truthful reporting and using the scientific method.
1: How long has he been whistleblowing about that?
3: No. Uh, just uh, six months, I think. Oh, We've wow. made a film that's uh, a new DVD that's now out. Uh, Stand... Stand... Standing for Truth, as is the name of the the DVD mm-hmm. that uh, he makes, and you can see that on YouTube as well. Peter Ketchum, K E T C H U
1: M. Yeah, I'll link to all this in the show note as well, and then and then was there something else I can link to on the on the press conference and all that, or is that on your site? Yeah, our
3: site a e nine eleven truthorg Yeah, and the
1: evening event uh, in
3: Alexandria, no Arlington. Uh, Virginia, uh, there's a holiday in there. Uh, that that panel uh, of truth-tellers, including J. Michael Springman, who uh, has exposed the the visas given to al-Qaeda members, including some of the 19 hijackers by the CIA. A fascinating story. He'll be there in person. Uh, this is uh, Monday night, uh, 7 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in, in Arlington, Virginia. The website is dc911truth.org.
1: Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I'll put that, uh, all that in the show notes for people. Great. So, do you want to, can we just uh, jump over to the Twin Towers? Yeah, yeah, just to to finish that off quickly here. Um, Do you have any questions about that, Darren? Because it's uh, you know, being even bigger than the other 110 stories of steel. Like, I kind of have a question about
4: the the melting of the steel like uh well my biggest thing on the twin towers is just that they to the odds of of natural collapse being able to take down both those towers in the fashion that they came down seemed to me like completely out of this world for those yeah. same reasons that that everything has to fail at the exact same time otherwise at some point it topples over to one side
3: yeah, it doesn't look anything like natural collapse. as And, and it's contrary to uh, uh, a classic controlled demolition like Building 7. It's a very explosive event. As I mentioned, these huge four-ton structural steel sections uh, are ejected laterally at up to 80 miles an hour, and they land on the Winter Gardens, which is 600 feet away. And all around, outside, many of them, the boundaries of Ground Zero, excuse me, of the World Trade Center complex itself. This is an extraordinary explosive event there. The steel is laid uh, not in a pile. Well, there's a two-story pile at the very bottom, but most of this steel is just evenly distributed uh, across and beyond the streets uh, bounding this complex. And and then you have, uh, uh, before the toppling uh, uh, occurs uh, up to, 20 40 and even 60 stories down below this zone of destruction you have these explosives uh, going off uh, huge explosions uh, that uh, are hurling uh, it, uh, so solid particles out of here because NIST says this is these are puffs of air being produced by this this uh,
1: the, the wind right piston yeah yeah. This, yeah
3: this hammer if you will a 15 story section of building, pushing the air down like a piston. Well, uh, what we see in the videos is that 15-story section is first destroyed in four seconds. There's nothing left of it after four seconds. Uh, That's when you begin to see the downward progression of this destruction. So it's much like Building 7, actually. In the first four seconds, these upper sections of these buildings are destroyed. They just telescope down on themselves. So there's nothing to create a piston of air. And anyway... If, if, Even if that were true, the, the, this, this air pressure was building, uh, and that's what produced all of these uh, squibs or isolated explosive ejections is really what they are. Uh, you, you would have seen that air come into these open spaces, 60 feet on one side, 35 feet on the other. This is a very open office. Uh, that air would have equalized and then blown out all the windows if it blew out any of them. Not these highly focalized, geometrically precise uh, ex- explosions occurring often in an engineered pattern. So, so that's what is is a dead giveaway uh, as well. And then the, the building is completely destroyed, both of them, in under a dozen seconds.
1: Yeah, that's near freefall acceleration. Yeah, you'd think that whole top section, the 15 floors, or whatever, if that failed in the middle and the whole thing collapsed, you think that would even if it did collapse truly from that, you think that would be just, in the end, at the bottom, there'd be the big top section left. Like, how did that just destroy itself? Even if it
4: pancakes, you gotta think that, uh, even if the floors are six inches, that there should be 55 feet of concrete at the bottom.
3: Exactly. You add up that concrete, and some of them are eight inches, about half a dozen, or a whole dozen of them, at least. Uh, Yeah. And there's trusses underneath. Two two foot or 30 inch deep uh, trusses uh, which would have cushioned one floor impacting on the next, right? Would have act like a big spring.
4: Yeah, so exactly. Yeah,
3: you, you, it would have absorbed that energy rather than even cause or continue a pancaking collapse. And they're missing too, by the way. Six thousand uh, joists. Uh, well, no, two thousand uh, joists. Yeah. Uh, so so where did they go? <laughs> uh, this is extraordinary. So if you you know the, if you had nanothermite. Uh, and these are these chips are dual layered, indicating that they were applied in a uh, by a liquid uh, in layers um, underneath the floors uh, in the guise, say, of a water of a, of a fireproofing mm. application, uh, and and there was uh, fireproofing, a retrofit, in each of these buildings above and below Ooh. the floors that got impacted by the planes. Uh, in the in the year prior to 9/11, 2001, uh, so it's very suspect.
1: Yeah, it could even be done without anybody knowing. It would be very compartmentalized, right? You mix that stuff up into whatever's going to be applied to the whole core structure, and and you you don't have to tell anybody what it is.
3: Yeah, and they had tenants moving all around, and yeah. by some researchers' estimates, half half these floors were empty. Uh, they couldn't fill it. I mean, they were white elephants. It, this was an albatross. I mean, these, these buildings were, at the time of 9-11, uh, uh, it, it was so expensive to uh, abate the asbestos in them. The city was requiring the port authority to uh, 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 obey federal laws of asbestos abatement. They had to remove it all uh, from the building. And that was a $5 billion project uh, minimum. Uh, according to estimates, some of them go up to $10 billion. So it made no sense for Larry Silverstein uh, to come in here and invest uh, in these buildings uh, at, a, at a cost of $3.2 billion, most all of which was leveraged. He only put in $125 million of his mo- own money, and much of that, I think, was his partner's. So, so extremely leveraged uh, purchase here of, a, of a, a building that was requiring also billions in mechanical, electrical, and communication systems. It was just severely
1: outdated.
4: Well, you could and of probably, course, do you know what the price would have been to just tear them down and rebuild them? Probably cheaper than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, and, and you wonder, what, but the insurance payout was why they needed to do that. I mean, there was a double insurance payout, I believe.
3: He ended up with $5.6 billion
1: free and clear
3: from the insurance after only putting in 125 million of his own money.
1: Wow. That's a good investment.
3: And a month after nine 11, he was, Oh, was it a year? I can't remember. Um, he was, uh, I think it was a year. He was interviewed on America rebuilds, so, uh, a PBS, uh mini series. And he's, he's, um, they asked him about building seven. He says, well, I was talking to the fire commander and uh, there was such a terrible loss of life. uh, Maybe the smartest thing to do is pull it. And so they gave the order to pull and we watched the building collapse.
1: Wow. Is that still around? I'm speechless. Yeah,
3: it is. Yep. I've got it in one of my presentations. Uh, it's on, just, just, uh, go to YouTube and search, pull it. Uh, Larry.
4: (laughs) Pull it, Larry. That's a good nickname.
3: Yeah, Lucky Larry, they call him. So we want an investigation of Lucky Larry uh, as well, (laughs) of course. And and the foreknowledge of Building 7's collapse. Uh, The BBC announced the collapse of this building 20 minutes before it even happened.
4: I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, Corbett always brings that up. Corbett's yeah. got that little five-minute video that is good for. I send that over to some skeptical people sometimes. Yeah,
1: just to, to, it's a really good summary. Yeah, yeah. it's so, fantastic. Did Did you guys ever, or did this ever come up in your investigation of the plane actually hitting the side of the building? Like, is there any chance that these were weakened as well? And and should that plane like structurally um, enter that building like a like a knife through hot butter or, or a hot knife through butter? <laughs> well, I don't think it's intuitive to any of
3: us. Uh, what an object aluminum or otherwise traveling That'll 500 fast, yeah. miles an hour uh, can do to uh, a, a, a steel uh, structure yeah. uh, framed uh, perimeter structure I do know that uh, I saw uh, there's pictures of of the things that a twister or a tornado can do um, there's a there's a photo of a 2 by4 uh that was driven through a concrete six inch thick concrete curb uh, like in the street. yeah um, so that's not intuitive. how could a how could a a wood two by four go through concrete? well that's that doesn't make sense at all. So um, I don't think people who were running around saying oh that plane couldn't have penetrated that they, I don't think they understand how the buildings actually put together either. Uh, these perimeter structural steel sections were, were not welded to each other. There's only uh, 4 five-eighths 5⁄8-inch round bolts that uh, bolt uh, the top of one perimeter column to the bottom of the next. And these are in sections. So you have three vertical columns and three horizontal spandrel panels mm. that are welded, but those are in turn bolted. Uh, and there are thousands of them uh, all throughout the building so all the plane had to do was to shear off those 5 8 inch round bolts and if indeed you look at the photos of the uh, plane uh, impact it's not a cookie cutter plane shaped hole it's very rectilinear almost like you know pixelated uh, where where these uh, orthogonally uh, shaped uh uh outline uh offsets occur so it that's 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 all it had to do um and and the plane has a lot of mass it's not the soft aluminum it's the overall mass including the jet fuel which adds to the mass
4: yeah 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 uh, yeah i wouldn't go against the planes getting into the building at all I mean, I'd be interested to see what happens on the model if you made every column on those three floors even fail at the exact same time.
3: Uh, I'm sorry, I had a distraction. Would you repeat that?
4: I was just saying I'd be interested to see what happens in that computer model, even if you took, like, say, four or five floors of impact from the plane and just deleted all those columns at once. What happens when those upper 15 floors can free-fall into those lower 80 floors
3: oh yeah so you're you're saying allow for a sudden drop without any
4: columns initially for 20 floors or something or whatever whatever the impact zone was
3: yeah that could be modeled and i'll bet you even then it would come to an arresting point uh uh i don't know five to ten floors uh, as yeah. it began to crush vertical columns that would resist it yeah. and at least slow it down.
4: Yeah, exactly. There was
3: no slowing down whatsoever. It it accelerated at, almost as fast as a bowling ball falling out of the sky.
4: Yeah, I think that could be an extra little add on to show, you know, just like even if we took 10 floors and deleted it all at once if the plane somehow exploded and deleted everything ejected it completely out of the way, It still, I still don't think it could, I still think it would just stop someplace yeah, yeah. or yeah. fall off to the side or yeah. something.
1: Yeah. 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 I agree with you. Yeah. It's one of these things that once you see it, like once you watch this again and watch some of the videos you're doing, you can't kind of unsee it. You know, it's, it's uh, hard to look at it as something besides a demolition at this point.
3: Yeah, it really is. And and that's why we have 2,900 architects and engineers demanding a new investigation. But, you know, even their organizations, my, my organization mm-hmm. included uh, the, Ar- the American Institute of Architects and the American Society of Civil Engineers mm-hmm. are not accepting uh, these questions uh, seriously from their constituents. You know, we have uh, 200 AIA members uh, on our petition.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, and we have gone for nine years to every annual American Institute of Architects. A convention and had a booth among the hundreds and hundreds of booths and educated other architects and they're all going, oh my god yeah, this is controlled demolition because we, we show them building 7 first yeah. on the screen yeah. and, and, they, we, and we say do you know, what does this look like? and that's what they say, I say well, you, did you know this came down on 9 yeah, no, oh, are you serious? Right. yeah, this was the third tower, you didn't know about it, you're an architect? <laughs> no, I didn't either, because no one told us The American Institute of Architects and American Society of Civil Engineers have not told their uh, constituency about the third worst structural failure in modern history.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Well, geez, thanks for doing all that work. I mean, that's amazing. You guys must get some ridicule. I mean, that's the problem is there's still a lot of ridicule around around this type of thing.
4: It seems to be getting better, though. Like nowadays, it seems to me like more people than don't don't (laughs) buy the 9-11. Yeah. They're like, something's fishy there. Whether it's this, that, or the other, it's just, it's gaining momentum. And it it is that effect. Some people, it's as simple as the five minute Corbett video. Other people, it takes a couple. But I mean, I've seen firsthand five or six (laughs) people that, you know, flip. And then once they flip there, there, there's no going back. There's no on the fence. You, they get, there's with some things, it seems like there's no tipping point. With people, you know, they'll argue it till they're blue in the face and that's just it. It's, it's a bias thing. Huh? Yeah. But with 9-11, it doesn't seem to be, or at least not anymore. And that could be just because I got into it 12 years after the fact. Yeah. That I didn't notice uh. notice that so much. But yeah. I mean, now I notice a, a success rate. Whereas with other topics, I there's no success. Yeah. People yeah. are like, no, no, you're nuts. Yeah. But with 9-11, it's like you can show them enough and finally they're like, well, huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. So we know you have to go here, uh, Richard, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything that you uh, think that's just new, uh, newly come to light, or anything that you want to say before we let you go?
4: It's anything our listeners yeah. can do to help? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just want everybody
3: to uh, make an appointment with your local congressperson in the next couple of months. Uh, now, not if you're in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, maybe also if you're in Canada, what the hell? Yeah. Take this act and, and get it uh, reformatted into uh, Canadian uh, uh, structure so that, uh, so that we can get something going there. And, and, and there are those who have tried, by the way, and it is very difficult also in Canada to, to get into uh, the Parliament uh, procedures there. But uh, Elizabeth Mace introduced uh, a, a, a petition... Uh, to call for a new investigation, which was very courageous of her. Um, But uh, those of you, those of your listeners in in the U.S., uh, write, uh, email us at congress at ae911truth.org, and we will help you make an appointment with your congressperson so that you can take this act to them and ask them to introduce it. See, we're looking for a needle in a haystack. We're looking for one out of 535 congresspersons who have the accountability, the, the, the testicular fortitude <laughs> to stand up and stick their head up above the rest and uh, and, and take a stand for truth. Um, boy, you wouldn't think it'd be so difficult, would you? No, I
4: might know no, a guy. No, but
1: thanks for hey. all your work there, Richard. I'm gonna see, is great. I, just,
4: I found a congressman I started following the other day oh, because yeah? he seemed like he was kind of cool. <laughs> His name's Justin, right. Justin Amash, the 3rd District Ooh. of Michigan.
3: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's what we need to know. We need those kind of hints.
4: Yeah, I defend Um, liberty and explain every vote. There you go.
3: Wow. Do you know anybody in his
4: district? I do not, but I guarantee you we have a ton of listeners in Michigan. Most of our audience is in the USA, and I know we've got a ton of listeners in Michigan. So if Justin Amash is your uh, congressman, let us know. If you're in Michigan, email architects and engineers, and they'll let you know who your congressman is.
3: Yeah. Yeah, email con- email congress at ae911truth.org and you could be the one and this could be the congressperson to uh, to make it to make it happen and change history Great. so please don't don't just assume somebody else is going to do this for you yeah but we can we can do it 10 times in michigan the same guy and
1: he'll get the idea
4: yeah that's yeah. right so if you're in michigan you could have a special place in history right on
1: well thanks no richard no pressure Good luck on uh, <laughs> good luck on nine eleven or geez, September eleventh coming up here with your uh, with your thing there. Good luck with that. Yeah, thanks, Graham and
3: Darren. I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, and uh, looking forward to it. I'll, let's report on the results afterwards.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, we'll maybe do. we can do this again someday. Yeah, right. absolutely. You bet. Okay, you th- bet. Thanks a lot, Richard.
1: Thanks, guys. Okay.
4: Bye bye. Bye bye. That was a chat with uh, Mister Richard Gage. I flew by. Yeah, it did fly by. And it's about time. Uh, that was a good one. I yeah. felt like that's a good starting point. I yeah. think I'm going to chase down some more 9-11 people.
1: Yeah, we should. I mean, we should have... It's, a, it's why. I don't know. There must be disinformation out there as well, but it's a polarizing topic. I mean, we didn't even have a chance to ask Richard about that type of thing. Like, you know, the flack that AI or architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth get from the rest of the 9-11 community. You know, it's it's, uh, it's interesting
4: yeah absolutely and, and you know I think most of our listeners are probably probably know where most of them sit, but of course if you're not, why don't you link to that video in the show notes? There's a lot of there's if, a lot if anyone's of having trouble or if you're on the fence with nine eleven or if you know what Richard is saying is a little too construction or or technical for you um Corbett's little five minute video there is a pretty good one of all the stuff that's not construction related. It's kind of an, like, this construction something? end of it is only like 10% of the whole fucking exactly. thing. Like there's, there's the money thing. There's the pre-knowledge, the insider trading. There's, there's, you know, I could go on and on and on and on. They found a passport, but all the concrete turned to dust. Yeah. <laughs> so, But they found a perfect passport. Yeah. Bingo bango. Yeah. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. So absolutely. Uh, we'll put that link in the show notes at least. Hopefully you will oh,
1: yeah, that was give a good,
4: me a note. Yeah, it was a good chat. Yeah, it was great. Big thanks to Richard for coming on the show. Uh, big thanks to our supporters who allow us to keep having these sorts of conversations and and uh, without any ads or any bullshit or having to be beholden to anyone other than you, the listeners. Yeah. Um, so check out grammarco.ca slash support, guys. Uh, sign up for a monthly if you can, do a one-time donation if you can. Of course, any uh, supporters of the show now do get access to the Black Budget feed, which is a couple ex- episodes a month of maybe some more controversial or some uh, less PC stuff, or even some stuff that's just, we don't have uh, space. where We have a limited amount of shows we can put out in the feed, really. And, some, you know. Why is that? Well, we'd have to pay more money. Well, yeah, And we'd need that's more true. support. Yeah, that's true, yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, uh, there, by the time this comes out, another episode in the, will be in the black budget feed.
4: Yeah, that's right. We're recording yeah. another one right after this. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Support the show if you can. Of course, if you can't afford to sh- support the show monetarily. There's a ton of other ways in the show notes. Check out Graham's uh, doobie-doobie-doo list and do all the things in there. Review the show, rate the show, share the show.
1: Yeah, get in contact with us.
4: Yeah. And if you're from Michigan, get get a hold of your congressman. Yeah. Or person. Congress creature. Chief? Chief. Whoa. Alright, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
1: Just a drop in the bucket, baby.